Today and always, we will look to the King. Good to see you this morning. Take your Bibles, if you would, find Romans chapter 15. We're going to begin reading verses 22 through 33. Romans chapter 15, verses 22 and following as we're continuing and almost near maybe even completion of our mini-series of Romans 12 through 15 and maybe our almost year-long series as we've been looking at Romans this year. But appreciate you hanging in there. For us, and we're glad that you're here. Today was one of those Sundays. Look around since 8.30, and as long as we kept singing, people kept coming. But the moment I stand up, they stopped coming in, I've noticed. But we'll keep singing if we needed more, I guess. But we're glad that you're here. We've almost doubled, I think, since 8.30. But we're glad you're here today and looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us uh, and all of the things that are taking place. And... Uh, it is Veterans Day weekend, and we're going to take just a little bit of opportunity. And I was going to have you stand in honor of our veterans and those who are serving today. But since our Marines are well represented, if you are a veteran or serving in our military, would you please stand? I think we'd rather look at you. And uh, <clears throat> would you remain standing for just a moment? Would you remain standing while we pray for you, if that would be good, and thank the Lord for you. And in a moment, where others are going to stand with you as we read God's Word. Would that be okay? So let's bow together for prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time. We thank you, Father, that we serve a great God and King in whom we can come and we can bring praise, honor, and glory. And we thank you, Father, for uh, uh, who you are and how we are able to be in your service. We thank you, Father, for the country in which we live. And we're reminded on this Veterans Day weekend, Veterans Day tomorrow. Uh, thank you for those who serve so that we might be able to have the freedoms that we have. We thank you, Father, for these who are standing. We thank you for these around our country who serve. We thank you for the many freedoms that we enjoy. In particular today, the freedom to come and be able to worship together without reproach because of uh, uh, the things that many have done, Father, and we truly know that uh, that is in your hands, and we thank you that you have brought us to a place, and we pray, Father, and thank you for the privileges that we have. We know also with it brings responsibilities, and we pray that we'll have the responsibility to be able to share the good news of God's love wherever we go. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come and be here today, and we pray particularly for this worship service. Thank you for the prayers that have been lifted already. We thank you for the praises that have been sung today. We thank you for your word that's about to be read. We pray, Father, that every word that we speak, that every meditation of our heart might be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, would the rest of you stand, please, as we read God's word together. We are in Romans chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 22 to the end of this chapter. This now is God's word. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, Paul writes. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share their spiritual blessings. They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered them to you what has been collected, 
I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. May God bless the reading of His Holy Word, and you may be seated. There is an anti-lawsuit group out of Michigan that held what they called the Wacky Warning Label Contest to show about how lawsuits have brought wacky warning labels, I guess, to different products. And some of the winners were this. Robert Turin, or excuse me, Richard Goodnow of Lancaster, Massachusetts, earned $100 in third place prize for a label on a baby stroller that featured a very small storage pouch that warns, do not put child, said warning, do not put child in bag. Robbie Turin of Greensburg, Pennsylvania won second place and $250 prize for a label that they found on an iron-on t-shirt transfer that warns, warning, do not wear while, do not iron while wearing shirt. And then Kevin Sove, a resident of Detroit, of Detroit suburb Farmington Hills, submitted the winning label, a winning sticker on the family tractor that reads, Warning, danger, avoid death. Took home the top prize. Well, here Paul gives a warning here to the folks that he's been writing to in Rome, at the church in Rome, after writing 15 chapters of some of the most profound theology and teaching of the New Testament. Paul warns them or informs them, I'm coming to see you. And I want you to assist me and be my partners in sharing the good news of the gospel to help build God's church. Paul wants the church to put faith into practice and partner together doing the Lord's work. Sometimes maybe you've heard a church, and perhaps even this church has used the phrase called together we build. Sometimes it's a phrase used by churches, maybe even Southern Baptist churches, to talk about building a church in order to help people to come together, in order to do the work and to be involved in the building of church buildings. Well, folks, whether you know it or not, we are now involved in another building program. But don't panic. It is a building, perhaps, or a building program of a different kind. We're completing this year the end of a what we call our five-year vision for building a healthy church. The Lord is blessed. We've seen increases in church membership and attendance and giving and in baptisms. But we understand none of these mean very much if we understand that we're not building up the body of Christ and seeing lives transformed and changed with the good news of the gospel. Many of the servants and ministry leaders of Parkway are now beginning to meet together to begin to ask how the Lord wants us to be able to proceed into the future. By the fall of 2020, we hope to be able to bring to the church what we're going to do in order to continue to see the vision of Parkway Baptist Church continue under the Holy Spirit's direction. And here's fair warning. You'll be asked to take part. You'll be asked to participate through your prayers and through your gifts and through your actions. And today you'll be asked to commit yourselves not just to this church, but individually to walking closer to the Lord and seeking His face as we seek God's will together. 
we may not be building another physical building anytime soon, but together we want to grow God's church and be a part of His ever-expanding kingdom. However, this morning I do want us to maybe use a physical building program and maybe as kind of an illustration. Sometimes when your church is building a new building, well, there can be a lot of ups and downs and even struggles with that, but it does bring a sense of excitement. I mean, particularly if the church is in favor of this kind of thing and because you can see something physically that's taking place. Often there's a drawing or some kind of painting that takes place. This is what the building's going to look like. And then it's put out actually on the ground of where it's going to be. And then you can see the foundation. Then it begins to be built up until finally it's completed. And then you kind of move in. And then you'll be able to see the debt that incurs because of that. Maybe that's not the most exciting part, but it does become exciting Perhaps we'll be able to pay that off. And so I want you to agree with me on something this morning. Not that we need another building. Not until the Lord tells us that we do. But that's not my purpose here today. But I want all of us to agree that we're all in a building program. Growing a healthy church that's part of the kingdom of God. We're all partners together with God and with each other. Can we agree on this particular thing from God's Word? Kind of like the excitement we have when a physical building begins to go up. It's my desire that we try to capture that enthusiasm and anticipation as we seek to serve together in the building up of this spiritual house. And here, in this particular passage, Paul gives us several areas where we need to be partners in as we grow God's holy church, the body of Christ. Now, most of what we've learned from Romans, we've learned so far by what we might would call prescription. That is, that Paul has begun to teach us the truth of who God is and truths about the church and about ourselves. And these are the things that we need to do. And he tells us those things. But here, as we get come to the, toward the close of the letter, Paul begins to write about his plans. And as we do, we're, we're learning more by example. And so we're watching his example along the way as he begins to share with the church of Rome some of his plans and what he hopes to do here in the near future. And one of the things that we learn by example is that several things that we want to partner in. The first of those that we want to be partners in ministry. Partners in ministry. That is, we want to be partners in serving others in the name of Jesus and in sharing the good news, whether it's side by side, working together or sharing Jesus wherever we find ourselves, one at work, another at school, another at home, you in this class, me in that Bible study. Us in this community, here we are, us in this country or in this nation and even around the world. We need a sense that we're partners in ministry, working together for a common cause. And Paul writes to the church in Rome. He's near the close of his letter where he always gets more personal. And he tells the Christians in Rome, I've spread the gospel to every part of the regions of the world, this part of the world, and now I'm coming to you. Now, Paul has never been to Rome, but now he's going to pass through Rome, stay for a visit going to Spain. At least that's his plan at this time. Now, if you want to know the Bible, that is particularly if you want to know the New Testament, one of the people that you'll need to get to know besides Jesus, and he's the one that you want to know first and foremost, but you want to know about the Apostle Paul. Paul's not perfect. He says that he is uh, by his own admission, he calls himself the chief of sinners. But one thing that Paul knew was his purpose in ministry. He knew what God had called him to do, and his 
purpose in ministry, particularly for him, was twofold. In fact, it's told in this chapter of Romans chapter 15 and the verses just prior to what we read. In fact, if you look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 16, he says his purpose is to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Though himself, he was Jewish and born, he lived as a Pharisee. He was called to be a missionary to the Gentiles, that is, to non-Jewish people. And then the second part of his ministry, he tells in Romans chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. The verses just prior to what we read, verse 20 says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul was to go to where the gospel had never been shared. This was his particular ministry to Gentiles, to places to where they had yet to hear the gospels. And in Paul's three missionary journeys, Paul had not certainly not to go to every city in that region. But he established many churches and many that were carrying on. He left leaders and pastors and elders in many churches and they were even spreading out to other regions and other parts of those regions to carry on the work. Now, following God's will is mentioned several times in these verses, and he feels that God's will for him is to go to Spain, another region of the world who had yet to hear the good news, and he desired to go to Rome on the way to Spain. And he wanted the Christians in Rome to help him as he continued to grow the church. In fact, he may have wanted, indication is that perhaps he wanted Rome to be kind of his home base in that part of the world, to be his home church as he went to Spain. Do you, do you know what church first sent Paul and his partners on their missionary journey? Well, it wasn't the Jerusalem Baptist Church. In fact, it wasn't the Baptist anything, but it was actually the church at Antioch that first sent him and it was his home base in order that he might be able to go out. And now Paul envisions the church at Rome partnering with him, sending him workers and being his home base as he goes to other parts of the world. He would hope to be a blessing to them. They would strive together as Paul wanted to go even farther to spread the gospel. They would be partners in ministry. Did it happen just like Paul outlined here in Romans chapter 15? Now those of you that are students of the New Testament, you know it didn't happen just like this. But the point here is that regardless of what the future holds, we need partners in ministry. Something else I want to point out. Paul had gone on three missionary journeys already. If he had spread the gospel to practically every province in his part of the world, do you think that at least for now, couldn't he at least take a rest? But no, he wasn't satisfied. Too many people had yet to hear the good news. Not for one minute do we think that we are near through doing ministry in the name of Jesus. To be honest, many would like to come to a place where everything kind of takes care of itself in the church. We'd like the church to kind of be a smooth running operation where we can just kind of sit back and rest and watch it work. The problem is that for a healthy New Testament church, it just doesn't work like that. There's never Time to rest. The task is too great. The time is too short. The labors are too few. May we not sit back on accomplishments from the past. For as anything as good has been accomplished, we recognize it is because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ 
in your life and in my life and in the life of our community. If we follow the example of this Apostle Paul, we'll find that ministering together includes at least three, these three things. And first of those, and one of those is make, make plans to partner together to do ministry. Making plans to partner together to do ministry. Paul's itinerary was laid out. I've come to you, I've, I've planned to come to you many times, but was hindered. The Lord had other things pressing, but now I'm ready to come. Now Paul was determined to go, felt it was the Lord's timing. This was his planned itinerary. Itinerary. First he was going to go to Jerusalem to deliver a gift from the Gentile churches. Then he was going to Rome, but for a short visit. Rome would be, he had hoped, his base for further missionaries to Spain. Spain represented the rest of the Western world to him. It opened the door to the Gentile world for Jesus. But there was still more to be done, and he was inviting his readers to be partners in ministry with him. Well, now's the time for you and I to make plans on how we can partner together to further the ministry of the kingdom. What is it that we want to accomplish this year, next year? In the year after that, for the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens to this church and to your life will not just happen by accident. It will be because we become intentional under the Lord's leadership to serve Him. God already has a plan, and we're discovering what His plan is as we partner together in ministry. But also, we also discover from this passage by being partners in ministry, don't be a slave to the plans that you've made. Don't be a slave to the plans that you've made. With the plans that you or that we make, you or we are to be flexible. Like Paul, we need to make plans for ministry, but not be a slave to what we think is God's will, but be ready to change the plans for better ones as the Holy Spirit directs. Part of walking by faith is heading in the direction that you believe God has directed you after earnest prayer, but trusting that God will open and close doors and make His will evident as you go forward. You see, it's easy to have faith when everything goes as you have planned, or as you think that they might have gone, or even as you think you might have imagined God would want those things to be. But when things begin to go differently, when doors are closed, when struggles come along, when unexpected things happen, well, that's when we truly need to have faith. That's truly when our faith is tested. Paul Went to Rome, just as he said he would, but most of you know he didn't go as a pioneer. Instead, he went as a prisoner. The book of Acts tells us exactly what happened and how he was able to get to Rome while he was in Jerusalem. Goes back to Jerusalem and his enemies plotted and were against him and they arrested him and they put him in jail and he was headed over to the Roman officials and then he was taken to Rome in chains. We have no biblical record that he ever made it to Spain. There are some traditions that say that he got out of being in prison in Rome and then went to Spain for some years and then came back. But we only have that as tradition. We do not know for sure. All we know for sure was that for the next four years he was in prison in Rome. Not quite as he had planned. But even as a prisoner under house arrest, the world kept coming to him and he was able to share Jesus freely from his own home there, from a home that he had there in Rome, he was able to share the gospel in what was then the capital of the world. Now we're emphasizing today partnering together because that's what Paul was telling the church at Rome. 
but you need to be discovering as much of God's will for your life as you can. Make plans to follow God's will and learn to be flexible as He directs your path. We also learn about being partners in ministry. We're never through with ministry until Christ returns. We're never through till Christ returns. We, we do not know for sure about the future, but we do know that we're not through. In some ways, particularly as a church and even in my own ministry, some ways I believe that we have only just begun. We're to be at work doing ministry in the name of Jesus, working together as partners as we move forward the kingdom. Today, if you're not going, if you're not growing, if you're not making plans and moving forward, how is God going to, to direct your path if you are standing still? You need to be moving forward. But also we learn, not only are we going to be, are we to be partners in ministry, but also we're to be partners in money. Oh, that might wake you up. We're to be partners in money. You know, the modern way of doing missions is that the home church sends money to the mission churches to help support them. But Paul has another way of looking at it. He had the mission churches sending money to the home church and then helping with their need. Well, the principle of partnering and helping with each other's needs is the same. Now, Jerusalem had a need, and the Gentile mission churches were indebted to them for Jerusalem is the city where Christianity had come out of, but it also is the very place in which they had said that Gentiles also were able to be saved by grace through faith. If they did not have to embrace the Jewish religion, they were also saved by grace through faith. One goal of the mission church is often today is to be financially independent and also know the joy of giving. To not ask the Gentile churches, though new in existence, not to give would be to rob them of the blessing of being a blessing and to rob them of the joy of giving. Now, probably I don't have to tell you that there are charlatans out there, those who in the name of religion prey on the poor and sometimes the widows, sometimes the elderly. There are those who beg people to give, but not from the purest of reasons. I'm always amazed at the number of people who give to televangelist preachers who place such an emphasis on money. Began talking about warnings this morning. Can I give you some warnings about giving to religious causes? One of those is this. Jesus should get the glory. Be, be sure Jesus is getting the glory for whatever organization or uh, whatever happens or not the organization or the preacher or whomever. Paul was not looking for credit. Some years ago, I was in a, one of those uh, mega churches, not in the state of Alabama, but in another state, one of those large churches where they're seen across the country. And I remember walking in and uh, seeing there in the foyer, there was a little statue of Jesus that they had. And, and then just down the hallway, there was a statue about twice as big as the founding and still existing pastor of that particular church. And for some reason, it just reminded me that Jesus is to be the central focus of every New Testament church. But I also want to give you this warning. Beware of the promises of financial return. Beware of the promises of financial return. Watch, watch out for those who promise a tenfold return on your gift. You know, if you give $100, well, then the Lord's going to give you back $1,000. If you ever hear a phrase like, this is seed money for your future wealth. 
Well, my goodness, bells and whistles should go off in your head. God never promised we'd be blessed financially because we give. I have found that He helps me to do a whole lot more with what He provides than if I did not give or with a whole lot more with what's left over. And God's shovel is bigger than my shovel. We understand that everything that we have belongs to Him. We're simply to be stewards of what He has given. But to believe a guaranteed financial return causes you to give for the wrong reasons and the blessings that we receive may or may not be financial. The spiritual blessings is what we hope for and is far better. And the blessing is being involved in God's work and whatever He's doing. Now the churches who gave to Jerusalem church did not give because of what they might get, but because of what they already received. Those who use the name of Jesus in order to receive money, I believe, will be judged harshly. Be, be assured. Because God does not want you to miss the blessing. He wants you to be a financial partner in the kingdom. Now, how about if you can't afford to give? Now, to say that you don't have to give if you cannot afford to give, because we understand when it comes to giving, uh, this is not something that we do or that we come across in a legalistic sense, that we've got to give exactly this. But to say that if you cannot afford to give or cannot afford to give this, that might make us both feel better. But I think it is to take more away from you than money could ever buy. It's to rob you of the blessing of being a blessing to others. It's to take away from us that meaning that all that we have depends on God. After all, isn't that what the book of Romans is about? It is about so that we might be able to come to Jesus in faith. And so that we might learn to be able to walk by faith. We used to, we used to say something like this. Sometimes if you say, you want, if you want to know about where a person's treasure really is, or if you want to learn truly about their faith and their Christian walk, just look at their calendar and their checkbook. But today we probably have to say a little bit different, don't we? Just look at their iPhone and their automatic drafts, or something like that. But still, probably, the, you get the idea. I was in a vacation Bible school clinic. This was been years ago, and one of the lessons, particularly, we were talking about the lessons and how to teach them, and one particularly was on the, all the elements of worship. In the elements of worship, we talked about singing, praying, giving, proclamation, and commitment. And there was a group that stood up, and they were talking about giving, a little put out, with maybe, with the material, because it was because of the emphasis on giving and being able to teach children about giving. They say, well, we're not really going to talk about that. So because most of the children don't have their own money, and, and besides, many of the children that we have are poor, and they're not able to give. So we're just going to ignore that altogether. Instead, we are going to talk about focusing on time, talents, and self, and giving of those things. And Golly, I'm in a group like this. I'm not even in charge, but I raised my hand. I just can't sometimes keep my mouth shut. And I said, you know, I said, please don't rob the children. I said, if we don't teach our children about giving, my goodness, we probably, many of us have learned how difficult it is to go from learning not giving to giving. Many of that, that's our testimony. How diff Let's not rob the children of the joy of giving so that they might also be able to receive a blessing no matter what that gift may be. And when they... What they said sounded logical, it made sense, and everyone may have applauded them for their thoughts, but the only problem was that it was not biblical. We remember that what Malachi said, we need to think Bible, bring the tithes into the storehouse. Trust me, try me, prove me, see if it will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessings. 
that there will not be room enough to receive it. If children can learn to do that at an early age, it's a lot easier than trying to do that as an adult. We talk about stewardship. We always say stewardship's more than money. It's giving of our time, talents, and self, and that's true. But it's also about money. Paul says in the verses that we have read, Paul says, I've got a contribution for the poor in Jerusalem. What kind of contribution do you think it was? It was money. Paul felt to be so important that he had to take it to himself. It was a tangible proof that salvation by faith had come to the Gentiles. The debatable question was still for many Jewish Christians, could Gentiles really be saved without first embracing Jewish religion? The answer was, of course, anybody that calls upon the name of Jesus in true repentance will be saved. Not only were they saved, but here was an expression of their love. We can just imagine the Jewish believers there in Jerusalem receiving this gift from the Gentiles there in other parts of the world, the ones whom they had considered unclean and put them on the same level as dogs. And now they're embracing them as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's interesting that the word for contribution here in verse 26 is the word koinonia. It's the same word that we use for fellowship. It's used for everything that a believer can share. Christians have true fellowship with one another, not just when they get together with their forks and their knives, but also when we give. Now we're talking about being partners. We've talked about being partners in missions. We've talked about being partners in money. And to be honest with you, the only, I don't, the only time I really like to preach or to talk about money from the pulpit such as this are times when it, we come across it in passages such as this rather than when the church is in real need or, you know, when it's time for one of those campaigns or something like this. But it, but it comes in an interesting time for us, even in the church. We started Romans many, many months ago. And, but tonight, after reading this passage tonight, we'll have a budget discussion. And if it passes next week, it will be the largest budget in the 50 years of the Parkway Baptist Church, as was the year before that and the year before that. Because you gave more than ever before last year. You gave more than before the year before that and the year before that, or each year was increasing. Did, did you notice on the back of your bulletin today, last Sunday, you, Parkway Baptist Church, gave more on one particular Sunday to the general fund than has been given so far this year. And it was on a Sunday that I was out of town. I'm going I'm to ask Brother Dick what he did to get you all to give so much. But our 2020 budget has increased and we're increasing our giving toward ministries from the youngest to the oldest and we've doubled our benevolence. We're helping to fund for the first time something called One Voice Coalition, helping the homeless and needy people in Lee County and our Baptist campus ministry and so many others so that when you give, you're not just keeping the lights on. But Parkway Baptist Church is part of the solution for helping people in need and helping people meet Jesus in our community and around the world. Speaking of warnings, you will hear very soon from our debt retirement team to once and, all, once and for all pay off our debt in very short order and start a long period of being debt free. So here's a warning that this is coming. But believe it or not, I don't preach to you about giving because the church needs it or because I need it but because you and I need to know the joys of being partners in ministry by our giving. We're not to give because it is the law. We're to give because it is a free will offering.
But also we learn, this is one other warning about being partners in money, there should be a balance between cheerfulness and responsibility. A balance between cheerfulness and responsibility. First Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, we know that it says God loves a cheerful giver. But notice what Paul said about the givers. Romans chapter 15 and verse 27 says, For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. So we understand we have biblical obligations to give back a portion of what the Lord has given us. And then the last part of that verse, Romans 15, 27 says, For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be serviced in them in material blessings. When we give out of and because of our relationship with Jesus, it becomes for us a glad obligation. So we're partners together in ministry. We're partners together in money, but also we're partners together. By example, we find we're partners in prayer. Part of the wonder of Christianity is that any believer can join the battle at any time with anybody in any place in the world simply by becoming a prayer partner. By praying for missionaries, we can be in a canoe in the Amazon, an igloo in the Arctic, we can be in a grass hut in the African bush. We join the power of the Holy Spirit. He is, he is at work to strengthen a believer's hand in God, to combat the unforeseen forces of Satan and his fallen angels, to knock on the heart's door of a believer, of an unbeliever, as he or she contemplates making a decision for Jesus. Prayer is a deliberate act. Paul, the great missionary, asked for specific prayer. He was going to physically come to them soon, but until that time, he asked them to join with him as prayer partners. And again, we learn three ways in which we can intercede for one another. And one of those ways we find by example is that we need to pray for deliverance. We need to pray for deliverance. Paul asked that he might be delivered from his enemies. You might remember the Lord gave us the model prayer, which says that we might be delivered from evil or from the evil one. We're to, we want to pray for each other that we might be delivered from temptation. We can and we should pray for physical safety. Our long prayer list of people who are in physical needs tells us that, and we do should do that very thing. But we also should pray for spiritual safety, particularly when going through trying times. It's important that we are prayer partners and that we're praying for one another in the struggles that we face each and every day physically and spiritually. But also we're to be partners and we're to be praying for service. That we might be able to serve God and one another. That our present ministry pleases God. But also we want to be prayer partners for the future. Listen to Paul's prayer in verse 32. Where it says, So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. We want to pray for each other that we will continue to grow in the Lord. Grow together and be an encouragement and a help to one another, not a hindrance, and that we might be in the center of God's will for the future. And Paul, he's not asking for casual prayer, but mainly that their prayers would be deliberate. Have any of you ever been praying and suddenly, maybe while you pray, suddenly your mind begins to wander? And you begin, maybe, maybe you begin to wonder, you think, well, now something wrong with me that my mind wonders so much. Am I not doing it right? Or maybe you're, you think, well, maybe my prayer's not for real. No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that your prayer needs to be deliberate. Verse 30 says 
in one translation it says, Join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. That, that phrase, join me in my struggle, we read in the ESV means to strive together, to fight along with. It suggests athletes giving their best. Wrestling together might be a better term. Praying with earnestness and sincerity opposed to a casual, lighthearted prayer. Let's face it, when you're in real need, you call on people who you know will really pray for you. You think of those people that you know will really pray, not just to pray, not just a casual prayer, but be an earnest prayer to God for you. We need people who know how to pray for us. Now we've mentioned these three things about being partners in this morning, about being partners in ministry and partners in ministry and resources, partners in prayer. Is there one or more of these that you're not a partner in today? I don't believe that these necessarily that Paul gives us by example are kind of a pick and choose situation. I believe as we give ourselves to Jesus daily, He leads us to be involved in all three areas of partnership. I believe we need to be teaching and doing all three of these things in the church. And just as Paul gets a little more personal in his letters at the end, the application gets a little more personal as well. And chapter 15 closes with a short prayer of Paul for believers. May the God of peace, in verse 33, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, that would be an easy one maybe for you to memorize. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul wanted the church and all churches to be partners in peace. It's what makes us different from any other group or any other organization. We know the peace of God. Before Paul went to Rome, he experienced prison, chains, a storm, almost loss of life, and a shipwreck. But he had peace. May our prayers be that we have that kind of peace in our lives today. When we partner together in building the kingdom, we share in the peace of God. So let me ask you this morning, are you missing out on the peace of God today? For if you feel like, well, today I'm not sure I know the peace of God. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm experiencing this. One or two things need to happen. Either you need to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus today. You need to ask Christ to come in to be your Lord and Savior, repent of your sins, and make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Savior and Lord of your life today. And if you do that, let me encourage you to share that even today, even with us as we have our song of response here in just a moment. You may want to come uh, asking Christ to come in. Or if you've done that, maybe you want to, even today, that you want to come and share with us. Or, if you've already asked Christ to be your Savior and Lord, you need to seek His face daily. Asking Him to help you to walk by faith in all things, regardless of the struggle, regardless of what you're facing. Because the peace of God, He wants you to be able to experience. Not because we're pursuing peace. Not because we're pursuing contentment. It comes because we're seeking and pursuing Jesus. Partner today with the Lord Jesus Christ and with others as we grow His church together. Let's bow together for prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to You now knowing that we serve a gracious and wonderful God. Thank You for the peace of God which surpasses all understanding that we're able to experience. We can partner together with that peace. We pray, Father, that we also might be able to partner in 
missions and, and ministry and our resources and through prayer. And Father, we thank you for our church today. We pray, Father, as individuals that we may come seeking your face. If there's someone here that needs to seek you for the very first time, asking Christ to be Savior and Lord, Father, may they that leave this place without first calling upon you, even now through this prayer, even now as we sing together in a moment, may it be a time that we are ready to call upon you. Father, may all of us as believers seek after the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, how you continue to be at work. And Father, we pray for our church. We pray that we may continue to see and know the vision that you have for us. Be ready to move forward to be a healthy, growing church as you would have us to be. It's in Christ's name that we lift these prayers. Amen.